0: Let's have a word of prayer. We thank you today, God, for the privilege of being here. Bless us today. Continue to meet every need. Thank you for the service up to this point. You have been awesome. You are the great and the mighty God. We love you today and pray that you will be with us. Bless us. May the word of God move in our lives. That we won't only hear the word, but that, God, we will be sure to practice what you are saying. We do give you all the glory. We give you all the praise, and we magnify you in Jesus. Amen. Turn in your Bibles to Acts 21. Please remain standing as I read. <laughs> Acts chapter 21, I'm going to read verses 17 through 36. Acts chapter 21. I'll be reading from the NIV, so it will read a little bit differently than what will be on the board. Acts 21, beginning in verse 17. When we arrived at Jerusalem, the brothers received us warmly. The next day, Paul and the rest of us went to see James, and all the elders were present. Paul greeted them and reported in detail what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. When they heard this, they praised God. Then they said to Paul, You see, brother, how many thousands of Jews have believed all of them are zealous for the law. They have been informed that you teach all the Jews who live among the Gentiles to turn turn away from Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or live according to our customs. What shall we do? They will certainly hear that you have come. So do what we tell you. There are four men with us who have made a vow. Take these men, join in their purification rites, and pay their expenses so that they can have their head shaved. Then everybody will know there is no truth in these reports about you but that you yourself are living in obedience to the law. As for the Gentile believers, we have written to them our decision that they should abstain from food, sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. The next day Paul took the men and purified himself along with them. Then he went to the tabernacle to give notice of the date when the days of purification would end And the offering would be made for each of them. When the seven days were nearly over, some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul at the temple. They stirred up the whole crowd and seized him, shouting, Men of Israel, help us. This is the man who teaches all men everywhere against our people and our law and this place. And besides, he has brought Greeks into the temple area and defiled this holy place. They had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, in the city with Paul and assumed that Paul had brought him into the temple area. The whole city was aroused, aroused, and the people came running from all directions. Seizing Paul, they dragged him from the temple, and immediately the gates were shut. While they were trying to kill him, news reached the commander of the Roman troops, and the whole city of Jerusalem was in an uproar. He at once took some officers and soldiers and ran down to the crowd. When the rioters saw the commander and his soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. The commander came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. Then he asked who he was and what he had done. Some in the crowd shouted one thing and some another. And since the commander could not get at the truth because of the uproar, He ordered that Paul be taken into the barracks. When Paul reached the steps, the violence of the mob was so great, he had to be carried by the soldiers. The crowd that followed kept shouting, Away with him. You may be seated. Repeat with me the title Jerusalem, a hostile place for Paul. Jerusalem, a hostile place for Paul. We have been doing this study in the book of Acts, and last time that we were together, last week Tanika did such a marvelous job, and we are going to pick up from two weeks ago. Paul had been warned not to go to Jerusalem. Now, it, it has only been a short time after after Agabus took Paul's belt tied his own hands with it, and said by the Spirit of the Lord that the owner of that belt would be bound in Jerusalem and handed over to the Gentiles. It was the Romans that Paul was going to be handed over to. It is during the week of Pentecost, also called the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Harvest, that we find Paul in Jerusalem. Paul had been warned on more than one occasion not to go to Jerusalem. But when he could not be dissuaded, the Bible says that Luke and the others that were there, they stopped trying to persuade him to not go. They just, said, well, they just stopped trying to dissuade him. We're not going to say anymore more when he was determined. Sister Mary Brown, it is good to see you. Sister Mary Brown, let me just stop and just say this was one of the grandparents in my group, me and Ann Jefferson, and she's right there. So many of you know, Sister Mary, I know your health hasn't been the best, but it's good to see you back there. And she actually said, I think we can handle it for after 10 years. I think we can handle it from here. And she became the leader of the grandparents' group. (laughs) It is in Jerusalem at this time, which is around 50 days after the Passover, Approximately where this is where we are. Now, fifty days is Penty means fifty. So when you take, when you look at Passover, you count fifty days after the day of Passover, and you come to Pentecost. It was a festival in Jerusalem at this time that they're celebrating, but it was one of the seven feasts that the Lord Gave to the children of Israel. This is one of the things Sister Michelle's over the last few weeks been teaching. As we look at the feast in the fall and in the spring, she's been taking us through the series, and it has been tremendous. But it is at this time that Paul is going to Jerusalem, and there were three times a year where the males, the Jewish males, had to go to Jerusalem. Does anyone know the three feasts? Besides those that come to Sunday school, do you know the three feasts where people had to go to Jerusalem? There were seven feasts. Which of the three? All right. I'll take one anytime soon. Tabernacles. That's one. I just said one just a moment ago. Passover and, and what Pentecost, right? Passover, Pentecost, and? Now let me throw out a question that anybody can answer. How many feasts, says Michelle, Michelle, how many feasts, and Tanika, how many feasts were for seven days? The number first. How many feasts, how many total feasts were for seven days? I know they're not, they're passing, uh, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you, y'all know I always ask trick questions. That's not a trick question. <laughs> one says three. Seven. One. one two. Passover. Passover. and the last feast that somebody back there said? Uh, Tabernacle. There are two feasts that were for seven days. One was actually eight when you when it was the eighth day actually commemorated the celebration. But seven ran the course. Now, it was on the day of Pentecost that the Holy Spirit came in the book of Acts. Forty days, Jesus went back to heaven. When he rose from the dead, he walked to the earth forty days. Went back to heaven. Ten days later, the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost. It was on the day of Pentecost that the Holy Spirit came to the 120 that were in the upper room, and the Bible says that the Holy Spirit filled them. It was the Feast of Pentecost, or the Feast also, when we think of the Feast of Weeks, because the name, it gets that name Feast of Weeks because of the weeks they had to count off in order to reach it. There were seven Sabbath days, eight Sabbath weeks that they had to count. 49 and then the following day, 50. So the Feast of Weeks, it gets its name because of the weeks. Now, when the children of Israel left Egypt and had crossed the Red Sea and had come into the desert. And when they refused to obey God and go into Canaan, the Lord made them walk, stay in the desert for a total of how many years? Forty years. It was because of disobedience and sin. The Lord told them before leaving, one of the things, I believe, before before they left even left Egypt or In the desert, I can't quite remember, but the Lord told them that when you enter the land of Canaan, that's when you are to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. It was when they entered the Promised Land. The day they entered the Promised Land, the manna stopped falling. The day they entered the promised land, the manner that God gave them in the desert, that after a while they started complaining about it and says, we are tired of this food. And I know some of y'all say that, I'm tired of McDonald's. <laughs> I just recently learned that on McDonald's signs there's a sign that says, this food can cause you cancer. I still went to the day and got my food. It was the people saying, we are tired of this food. The food that allowed them to grow healthy, had all the nutrients, everything they needed. That daily bread that God gave them. Then on that sick day that he said, now you are not to go out on the Sabbath. You are to get, to get I'm going to supply you double on that day. So get enough for two days on that one day. Don't go go out on the seventh day. Just like people would do. We're going to go out on the seventh day. We're going to do the very opposite of what God said to do. God says A, we're going to do Z. God says do B, we're going to find out where M is. We have the propensity to do the opposite of what God says. Now, it was in the land of... Canaan, that they were to begin to celebrate the feast. It was honoring God for providing the harvest. It was God's blessing. And they had to give to God the first of the crops of the land. It was a In fact, they had to bring a sheep. They had to bring an offering and wave this offering before the Lord. To say, thank you, Lord, for your provision. Isn't that wonderful when we can thank God for blessing us and bring back to him what already belongs to him? It is a blessing. And then God blesses that which we bring back to him. And so God says the first of the land, the first, the first produce belongs to me and then I'll bless the rest. I'll bless you. I know we don't believe that. No, 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 people, y'all don't believe that. No, 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 no. No, we don't believe that. No. We say God can't take care of us. No, no, God can't keep us in the land of Canaan, and he definitely can't provide for us. We run out of food, the air. We can't pretty soon, we're not going to be able to breathe in this atmosphere, people saying, God know how to take care of this place. Don't believe some of the things you hear. will tell you, be more concerned about the environment than about your soul. Take the Bible out of the church, out of the schools. But don't you light a fire on a hot day. (laughs) Don't you barbecue. It's a spare the air day today. No lighting of the matches, no no fires, no coals. Don't you let that child pray in school. I'm going to file a lawsuit against you. The Lord is to be honest. Now, it was on the day of Pentecost that Paul is in Jerusalem and the city is Full of people. Just like on the day in Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit fell. Many people that came to Jerusalem would have remained there because of the Passover. They would have stayed. Those who have come from far away places, didn't matter where you were, you had to go to Jerusalem. So people would stay there since we got to be here anyway, and the city would have been full. Understand this. Paul had already been warned by the Lord first, don't go to Jerusalem. In fact, he told them when he was there, leave because they are not going to accept your message when Paul was converted. I'm going to send you far away to the Gentiles. Those that are not of the Jewish nation. Those that, that I'm going to have you minister to. I'm going to send you to them. We never hear Paul receiving instructions to go back. So let's go on. If you're writing down the points, my glasses got dirty. Someone have a Kleenex? Someone, you know, could you please, Thank you. You know, I, I look to read and I've got a big smurf, smear on my smear on my smurf, smurf. <laughs> Thank you. Point number one. Giving bad advice and expecting positive results. Mm -hmm. Giving bad advice and expecting positive results. Now, the things that I said before regarding Pentecost, those weren't in my notes. I was taken, I went there. But it's important because it deals with the importance of understanding the feast and Pentecost and where Paul is and why he felt he wanted to be there. Acts 21, verses 21 through 28, will follow this first point. It says, giving bad advice and expecting positive results. One of the major problems that Christianity faced during this first century was the atonement of Jesus' blood, which declares one righteous before God, and how much of the Mosaic law needed to be kept in order for Gentiles to be saved. There was a controversy. Can a person be saved by the blood of Jesus Christ alone, or does one need to be circumcised and obey the Mosaic law? Yes. Is the atonement, is the blood of Christ sufficient to save? Yes. If our tradition gets in the way of Christ being seen, and people getting to Christ, we have indeed a problem. The problem that that Paul faced was that he was hated. The hatred of Paul was spurred on by Satan himself and his demonic forces. Don't think that the devil is your friend. Some of people are just wanting to hook up with Satan. I tell you I watched those mystery channels, those mystery shows in the ID channel. Who the bleep did I marry? That's what it says. <laughs> Young, hot and crooked. And down down the road, you come to find out that somebody's standing over you with a knife. Somebody somebody looking at you differently than how they looked at you when you first met. You're another know google eyes y'all gave people when y'all first met. <laughs> get to know the person you hooking up with Satan will put out there something that's tantalizing makes you think ooh that looks good but behind the doors there's a cliff not for everybody but for some there are oftentimes warning signs given. And if people bypass those warning signs, you're going to have a problem hearing when you're in the midst of the danger. You see, Satan hates Christians. No love affair between the enemy and God's people. Satan had Paul in his, in his eyesight all along because, t- because Paul was destroying his kingdom by preaching the gospel. And then God backed up what Paul was preaching by the miracles that he enabled him to do. It confirmed that God was with Paul and that God's anointing was on his life. We have to be very careful when something happens appeals to us, but we know God is saying no. Down the road, the price may be too high to pay. Satan will use any means necessary to to tear you away from the church and your ministry and cause you to become a sulker, where one stays home and reasons with oneself how right you are, Uh telling yourself all the things that you need to hear from yourself. <laughs> All by yourself, listening to yourself, and reasoning with yourself. <laughs> and then settling the matter with yourself. That can be dangerous territory to be in, Where you don't bounce anything off of another person. Well, nobody else can speak into your life. That's a dangerous place to be. We tell ourselves bad advice when there's nobody there to help. The Jerusalem leaders are trying, when Paul comes to town, to appease the Jewish believers. Paul comes to town and they are trying to appease the Jewish believers. Are tur- who are turning to Christ by trying to show that Paul is still following the Jewish roots, or his Jewish roots. Appeasement never works for everyone, especially when one's heart can't be appeased. It was bad advice by these leaders who were wrong. Now let's go back and let's look at this. Verse 21 They have been informed that you teach all the Jews who live among the Gentiles to turn away from Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or live according to our customs. What shall we do? They will certainly hear that you have come. So do what we tell you. There are four men with us who have made a vow. Take these men, join in their purification rights, and pay their expenses. It was bad advice by these leaders who were wrong in the advice that they had given. When in fact the premise that they first made was incorrect. They have made initially a false claim and a false accusation. Paul was not preaching against the Mosaic law. Paul was saying that the blood of Christ is sufficient to save you And you don't have to be circumcised. No, try to follow all of the rituals in order to be saved. It was the council council in Jerusalem in Acts 15 that helped to resolve this matter. How is one saved? One is saved by putting their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and the blood covering. And when Paul comes to town... Because of some of the Jewish believers that are coming, many of them were still tied to the root of saying that Christ is not enough. Mm -hmm. And that the people need to adhere to the law. So Paul, in order that they may know you have not given up your roots, take part in the ritual of these four men. Now Dr. Butler says something interesting. He said that they had to have been thinking about this a long time. Because while Paul gave his report, they were worshiping and praising the Lord. Ah, wonderful. And it was genuine. But as soon as Paul got done, (coughs) Paul, um, there's something that we need to tell you. You know you got a problem when somebody clears their throat. something that I've been meaning to tell you. Look out. When they cleared their throats, they had already been planning that this is what Paul needed to do. Why is this important? Because remember, there's Jewish people from all over in Jerusalem. Now they're going to hear, Paul, that you've come, and we want them to be appeased. We want them to know that you're not speaking against the law and that you follow the law. Now, for whatever reason, Paul goes along with them. Don't quite understand it. And, and I know some may say that when Paul says that I have become all things that all, to all people, that I may win some, I don't think that necessarily applies because... It's trying to win people that don't want to be won. And in this case, there is no indication that the Lord gave them this advice. It was something that they thought was needed. And the moment that you began to go on your own human reasoning, you're going to run into problems. It's my way. Or no way. Go on live. God will confirm what he's doing in your life as things work out down the road. If you always are running into problems and there's never a solution, you might be on the wrong path. If you never get any, any light at the end of the tunnel, you might be on the wrong path. If if at the end of the road you 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 see I don't know where I'm going. Lord, show me something and you don't have anything, you might be on the wrong road. We have no indication that the Lord spoke to them. But we do in the sense of what happened, I believe. Because there was something that was not anticipated. They gave Paul this advice. And the advice that they gave with these four men is what's called a Nazarite vow. What was a Nazarite vow? We see this actually with Samson. Three primary things that a person that was dedicated to the Lord, which was a Nazarite vow, was a person that was totally being dedicated to the Lord. Three things they could not do or was supposed to refrain from. One, they couldn't have strong drink or wine. They were to stay away from strong drink. Two, they were not to come into contact with a dead person or a dead body, anything dead. Three, they were not to shave their head, their hair until a certain time, but that was the Nazarite vow. It was a person that was being dedicated. That was what the Lord gave to the parents of of Samson. He was going to be a Nazarite. It was a vow that, that the Lord had given, dedicated for the Lord. Whenever God sets you aside, he is setting you aside for a very specific purpose. If you are not walking in the purpose that God set for you, you are out of order and out of place. I don't care how go ahead and try to fit in someplace else. The piece won't fit in that puzzle. That's right. That's right. You don't just belong anywhere. Amen. Upset here, I'm gonna go over there. <laughs> You're gonna be out of place. Upset there, I'm going over yonder. Talk to me that way. <laughs> Had a person one day upset. I wasn't the one preaching. Got to call. That, I'm upset. Person preaching about me. <laughs> I'm driving down the road.
1: <laughs>
0: upset. Ain't coming back pulled
1: over.
0: That's at the time when you could still be on the phone with your, you, know, no no law. But I I said, let me pull over. I said, oh no, 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 no. That's not what the person was saying. I'm the only one they had to be speaking about me. I'm thinking to myself, well the Holy Spirit really thinking to that person. And that sometimes will happen. You'll think somebody Who have been talking to them? The word of God can discern and get you. (laughs) It speaks to our situation. So sometimes we will leave trying to escape, but you can't escape the word of God. Go home and pull the covers up over your head. Get the pillow and put it on top of it. Turn the fan on. The Lord will still say, I'm right here. You can't get away. Now, where was I? Let me get back. (laughs) Oh, yeah, Nazarite. So, this was a Nazarite vow that they asked Paul to participate in. And they asked Paul to pay for their expenses. This wasn't cheap. And Paul wasn't rich. Get this. And Paul agreed. Now, question, question. Why didn't Paul listen to Agabus, those of the Ephesian church that met him at Miletus, when Luke and the others, he said, I'm determined to go. But the moment they spoke to him about this, not even consulting the Lord, he agreed. Was Paul really listening? You see, sometimes our affections and our heart can be so tied to a situation that we don't necessarily always see clearly. There are some times when our passions and our desires are tied into either a person or a situation that we are blinded by some clear things that are there to help protect. We have to be careful that we are not blinded. One of the things I love about my wife is that she'll tell me the truth, even when I don't want to hear it. I have a way when I'm done listening. <laughs> I'm, I, I, I stop listening. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> okay, enough. No, no. But we do that. We have ways of when we don't. So I said, so what did you think? And I know when there's a pause in her, in her, in the conversation, and she goes. I said she's trying to think of how to say it, (laughs) okay. That's the kind of person we need around us at times. Somebody's gonna tell you the truth. Even when you don't want to hear it. So yeah, song, tell me something good. (laughs) That's what we want to hear sometimes. (laughs) But we sometimes need to hear, you were wrong. So Paul participates in this Nazarite vow. And would you believe it?
1: Hmm.
0: Right in Ephesus, or in Jerusalem, are people from the city of Ephesus. Right when Paul is coming to the conclusion of this last seven days, Somebody spots him in the temple. Well, we call them haters. Some of y'all got haters, and I know some people's. Some people. Some people' faces and names just went straight across your mind. Just saying, huh? Didn't, it didn't, even, didn't even take too long to think about them. Boom, they're right there. <laughs> Probably a couple names came up for you. <laughs> When Paul was in Ephesus, if you recall, there was Demetrius, the silversmith, that said if Paul is not stopped, our business is going to be over. They used to make idols for Diana. And because Ephesus was one of the seven wonders of the world or the temple, they had a lot of business, a lot of money. And Demetrius says our trade is in danger because people are burning their books, their scrolls, and getting rid of their idols. Paul, I told you, was bad for business. And it is some of these brothers here that's in Jerusalem for Pentecost. And it's these brothers that sees Paul at the temple and go, there he is. Now, I'll tell you all the story before I come to a conclusion here for the When I was a kid, we used to do things that wasn't right. Now some of y'all may not know anything about that. Some of y'all just were just perfect all your life. Came out singing hallelujah. Anyhow. I was going to Martin Luther King school and uh me and some of our knucklehead friends decided at that time, well, summer school, we ain't going to class. You know, <laughs> summer school, in the sixth grade, what you talking, you know? So a bunch of us decided, we decided that at King School, where we're the, the old King side, some of y'all know what M.O.K. by the shield that school back there, they have different things now. But that was, used to be the, the junior high, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth. Or six, seven, and eight, I believe. But but fifth grade, fifth grade. So on this day, we decided we're going to go, and uh, we didn't even know what we're going to do. Just just go out and do stuff. So there was a little hole over by the tennis court that you can climb under this fence. Yeah, they they know what I'm talking about. (laughs) They they they've been there and done that. (laughs) Uh huh, uh huh. I know just where that fence is. So we all climbed under the fence, and and I, I can see all the, the people, my friends, and so we're out there, and they had plum trees and we're just out doing stuff, throwing stuff and picking apples and yuus and uh, uh uh, and so I told you there was a time this car was coming, and it was an an, an Asian guy who was who was driving this car, and so all of us, for whatever reason, they decided they wanted to throw something at the car. So all of us around by the tennis court got behind these bushes. They had little bushes, you know. We all jumped behind. It's always a bunch of us. Michael Jones, Tyron Rory, all of us. (laughs) All of us. Bunch of us. And I saw, I didn't... From over there, I just saw an apple <laughs> flying through the air and hit that man's car. Rather than the man keep going, he slammed on the brakes. My knee buckled. Everybody jumped from their hiding place and started running back to that opening. As they're running down the road, all I hear is the car go. And I'm running as fast as I can. I dove into the bushes. Now, when I came in my hiding space, I was so jealous because I saw some other guys already way down the road. And I'm thinking, how did he get down there so quick? Died, dove down on the, on, the, on the ground, climbed on the fence, and we just took off running. The next thing I know, Michael Jones come back after having got caught and said, Marky, you in trouble. That man going to get you. I told him you did it. I didn't do it. I didn't throw nothing. And I'm crying. My knees are shaking. I'm scared to walk home because this man going to get me. It was something else. And I thought to myself, I'll never do that again. I did other stuff later. But but that situation, I, I didn't do that no more. I, in fact, that taught me I ain't, I ain't going to be cutting school and hanging out with mobs. Because mobs will get you in trouble. Y'all hear me? It was a mob scene when Paul was in Jerusalem, and those men from Ephesus said, He's the one. That person right there who's causing all of the trouble in Asia, get him. And they grabbed Paul, dragged him out of the temple, and the Bible says they commenced on beating him. They commenced beating him. Now, in Jerusalem, there was a place called the um, um, Antonia. It was a place where the Roman guards were kept. The commander, a thousand troops, so that anything that would happen in the city, they had guards and they had troops and cavalry stationed throughout various places because Rome did not allow there to be revolts. And so when they saw Paul and dragged him out of the city, which, first of all, out of the temple, that was illegal, and began to beat him. And if it wasn't for the grace of God sending that commander, Paul would have been killed. He would have been killed by the mob. We've got to be careful not to get involved with the mob. They commenced on beating Paul. Now get this. They commenced on beating Paul based on a lie. Paul was changing lives. People were being healed and saved. It was because they hated Paul. And then they thought that Paul had brought Trophimus into the temple. Now, understand. The temple area, there are two places in the temple. Well, more than two, but two primary places. There was a place called the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies was a place in the temple where only the high priest could go once a year. The high priest would go on the day of atonement. One of the seven feasts. Only, or not feasts, but one of the seven well, days that the Lord had given. It wasn't feasts, but the Lord said, no, on that day you can't do any work. It was a day where the priest high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and only that once a year to offer sacrifices for the people's sins. And if the priest wasn't right, they never made it out of their lives. The Holy of Holies is where the Ark was. The Ark of the Covenant. Once a year, the priest, the high priest only, could go into the Holy of Holies. Then there was called in the temple the Holy Place. And the priests could go there. Well, the Gentiles, those that were Jewish, they were not allowed even into the holy place. There was an outer court where they could gather. So when this group said that Paul had taken Trophimus into the area that was restricted, this was an act that basically meant the person's life would be ended. They would be killed by the Romans. If they went into the place that was not sanctioned for them to go, they would be killed. Can you imagine going to the church? You go to a certain place, don't don't go there. You might be killed. How sad that they're breaking the law and won't allow a person, even if he did, even though he hadn't gone there, they assumed that he'd gone because they saw him. Prophimus had not even gone there. But because they saw him with Paul, they assumed that he had gone into the holy place. You see, there are times when we have to be so very careful. Because when the accusations come, you've got to be willing to stand for that which is right. And even based on lies, they are prepared and willing to kill Paul Paul had done nothing wrong. However, Paul was not supposed, I believe at that point, necessarily to be in Jerusalem. But you know what? God in his provisions, still protected Paul. Now, when we, when we look at Paul, we rarely see the area still that still needs to be worked on, but we know Paul was a wonderful man. But this area here, it's, it's, it's very intriguing. While Paul is being beaten, the commander gets word. And the way that it's even stated that if it was just a few more minutes, Paul would have been killed. And the Bible says that when they saw the commander with the truth coming, they stopped or ceased beating him. When they reached him, Paul, blood on his face, blood in his hair, beaten, kicked. They're trying to kill him. Where were the elders? The presbuteros. Remember that Greek word it means elder. Episcopos, episcopalian. We get the word bishop, elders. When we when we look at them that gave the advice. Do you not know that you don't see them anywhere as coming to Paul's defense? Oh, wait, wait. (laughs) Paul didn't know we, we, you don't know, Paul is by himself. Paul is by himself. And that's what my third, second point that I'm not going to even get to. And that is giving advice, giving advice with no, with no support. Here it is, telling Paul, and now Paul's out here facing his mob team based on bad advice. How much bad advice have you accepted and taken? i tell you this right now. If I didn't beat somebody up, I'm not going to jail for you. No, 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 no. I, I, I didn't do it. What me? I want y'all to go to jail for me, though..
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> bad advice. How many of you are listening to bad advice? and following bad advice. <coughs> how many of you right now are in situations because of bad advice? And you're trying to see, how am I going to get out of it? I want to turn you onto a a person that not only can change the circumstances of bad advice, but one that can... Bring good out of it. There's a person by the name of Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, the King, the Almighty, that has the ability to completely turn around your circumstances. You have been sitting there pondering and and thinking about how am I going to get out of this. Christ has the answer. And listen, not only does he have the answer, he is. The answer. And you have been sweating bullets. How is this going to work? The answer is Christ. Bow your head. That advice will lead you into bad situations. Following the mob will have bad characters in it and will get you hurt and won't give you a way of escape, but Christ will. Anybody in this place that has never accepted the Lord as their Savior, today is a day where the Lord says, come to me. I have all the answers that you need. I am the answer. Cast all of your cares upon me because I care for you, says the Lord. Some of you have never accepted the Lord as your personal Savior. It's a way of just saying, God, I've blown it. I I have tried to do it myself. I need you to be my Savior. And God will come in and... And, and save you and take over your life never will I leave you never will I forsake you is what he says some of you have been even contemplating Lord I want to accept you but I'm scared I don't know what to expect God knows how to keep that which we commit to him until that day. If he's made this world, he knows how to take care of you. Is there anybody in this place that have never accepted the Lord as a Savior saying, you know what? I've been waiting too long. Today is the day I need to do it. Amen. You put your hand up and down. We'll pray for you. And remember. Is there a person who's never said, God, I want you as my Savior? Because the other alternative is that you're saying, Lord, I'm prepared to stand before you in the judgment on my own merits. If the blood is not applied, God will not forgive you. It's only the blood of Christ that says. Anybody in this place that says, Lord, I'm willing to give my life to you. Lord, in this place, We pray today that you will allow us to hear and listen to sound advice, sound words, that we will be responsive to the wooing and the leading of the Holy Spirit, that we will be willing to hear. What the Spirit says and obey what God says in His Word. That we won't be swayed by the crowd, that we will follow Christ and do everything that's honoring and pleasing to you. May we recognize that there is protection from the enemy, the, the devil, Satan, who is come to deceive the, our adversary. There's protection only in Christ from Him. Praying today that people that have not said yes won't wait too long. And then for those who have accepted you, Lord, that God, the wisdom that comes from the word of the Lord, the wisdom of your people will be heeded. That we will run on, God, for there's a prize to be won. My God, we honor you today, and we thank you for your righteousness. Now keep us in your care. Bless us, guide us, strengthen us to do that which is pleasing to you, to give you glory.